Bears night in Chicago. We're at Jim Moe's live in Mokina drinking Miller Lite. It's Black and Abdallah and Tom Thayer hanging out with us for the next hour talking Bears football. We were just discussing a big matchup against the Lions coming up on Sunday. You know, Tom, you mentioned that like the, the, the fans are ready to go. The Detroit Lions fans have been traveling yeah. places, like much like we're used to seeing Bears fans bounce mm-hmm. around. Like, Lions fans are going to be amped, Abdal, for this game on Sunday. Well, everybody goes to Chargers games, so that was a surprise. <laughs> right. So, but, yeah, I think this is like this is a hostile environment that if Fields comes back, and, oh, yeah. and if he doesn't, Bajan making a start there in the division. Like, I know New Orleans was still a hostile environment, but the Lions are good. This is a completely different, pun intended, animal that you're walking into. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, you know, I really like Dan Campbell. I like him as a player, and I like him as a coach. He's the most... A similar guy to Mike Ditka that I've ever seen come in the in the coaching ranks since Mike Ditka has been there. You know, he's a former tight end. He's super emotional. He can yell and cry in the same speech. Um, he has high expectations for his players. He's only asking you to do what he's done throughout his career. So that's what the Bears have to match. If you think you're going to go in there and play a passive brand of football, you're going to get you're going to get crushed. We were talking about Justin Fields. Is, there's seven games left. Yeah. Is seven games enough to prove that he's the guy, or do you have to take all two and a half years leading up to this and say, well, there's more evidence that he hasn't gotten it yet versus the seven games after he was injured and comes back? You know, uniquely enough, this seven games is going to be the telltale sign of where this whole thing is going. Because of the competition you play, where you play a couple of these divisional opponents, and what do you need to see from a quarterback? You know, you listen, you guys watch. I listen to you guys. You guys know as much about football as any of us that are broadcasting and have been in the game. So you know the progression of a quarterback. You know if he's going through his progression one, two, three. You know if he's making the initial reaction to the best option you have out there. You know that um, are are you taking sacks or you get the ball out of your hand? You know, Justin, I think, has taken nine sacks on first down. It's almost, you know, that's something that you, you just cannot have. That kills a possession. Yeah. That doesn't exactly. just kill the – that kills a possession right there. Yeah. You know, Dan Campbell the other day, he made a decision on fourth and two to go for it against the Chargers. Yeah. Went for it, made the completion. He didn't do this big analytical study about it. It's, it's what he felt at that time. And I think when you look at analytics and you think about if you take a sack or a penalty on first down, the likelihood of you scoring in that drive is so insignificant that it, it, it blows up your whole opportunity. So, but now you look at the good side of Justin. He's an incredibly dynamic athlete. He's got escapability unlike a couple of other guys in the league, Lamar Jackson and stuff. But um, a quarterback play in long term is how you throw the ball. And right. that's what I think in the seven games, <clears throat> that's what you're going to see. And then, you know, they have decisions to make. So, Deontay Foreman's been doing well. Khalil Herbert's coming back. What do you do there? You're going to keep Roshan Johnson in the mix. You got Tevin Jenkins, who's playing at a super high level at the right guard position. Hopefully, Nate Davis is coming back. So, do you take Cody Whitehair out and you put Tevin and Nate in there? You got to get a feeling of how Nate is after recovering from that ankle injury. And then Tremaine Edmonds is coming back in the mix. So, there's a lot of decisions that the staff and Ryan Poles are going to have to make. Right, and, and what we were kind of discussing with this game coming up on Sunday is uh, you mentioned, like, the atmosphere. The thing that has disappointed me about this team this season 
is that multiple times the game starts and it looks like our team is still on the bus. You know, the, the other team has taken it to us in the right. first quarter, the first half, yep. and you get in the halftime and they're down big to the Chiefs. They're down big to the Chargers. The Packers are up big at the start. Like, I feel as if the mark of a good coach is even when you have less talent, you hang around in games. And through two years of the Eberflus era, what we've noticed is that in games where they're not expected to show up, they don't for the most part. And, and that's what worries me about this Lions game is, is we all know the atmosphere is going to be on 10. Lions fans are pumped. This is the best team they've ever had. Right. They're ready to go to the Super Bowl, and they want to beat every team that they face. I hope Eberflus has this team prepared where you take it to them instead of us having it taken to us. Uh, the Bears are getting it taken to them, and, and they're not getting blown out from the start. That's what's really annoyed me as a fan about this era, this well, team. On, on the offensive side of the ball, you better do what you can do good against this defense in this environment, in this crowd noise. Running the ball is probably going to be really challenging. It well, it, how, are you gonna, how do you want to run the ball? Yeah. See, they, they have the ability to have, run an outside edge. They have an ability to run point-of-attack runs against the, with the, you know, using the right side, Tevin and Darnell Mooney. They have the ability to have quarterback under center where they have that intersection between running back and quarterback that creates deception. Yep. And as soon as you create deception, play action pass. There's nothing – There's a, a, an offensive line can be overly aggressive if you run play action pass. And that's the atmosphere where, you're, where you want to run it. You don't have to be perfect on the snap count. You can come off the ball like just with, with hell bent for a leg and just and you can hit people as hard yeah. as you can but it's just selling the play and you're not sitting there trying to sustain a block for three and a half four seconds it's about deceiving the defense at the line of scrimmage getting the linebackers two steps out of position and then getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand so the first game of the year um, Justin Fields threw the ball to the running backs 11 times. Every game after that, the reps to the running backs declined mm-hmm. significantly. The best weapon you have in an environment like that is play action to a running back, and I think it can, it can allow you to be the most aggressive against an opponent that's looking what you're saying. How aggressive are you oh, going to yeah. be? Yeah, and, and I think that's where, you know, if, if you can somehow get the defense to move backwards and not be coming full-on after Justin Fields, that's probably the only situation they're going to have to survive because the Lions' defense is good. No, I know they are, and this is also a team where not only Justin having him take sacks puts them behind the eight ball and drives, but, I mean, I wish it was a joke, but they were were kneeling the ball and got a false start last week. Like, like, how do you how do you limit those penalties? Like, is it like do you just grab them? And, like, you just stop false starting. Yeah, like, like, what, what does, is that? Like, like, how do you stop? How do you get that out of a player? Like, so, you know, especially going into this game where it's going to be insanely loud. But now you're introducing a new quarterback to the cadence. Yeah. So when you have interruption at quarterback and you don't have consistency with the rhythm of their count, you don't have the five thousand reps from practice training camp into the season that you need. You you know, again, I just make reference to it. We, I played with the same five guys for seven straight seasons. Yeah. We knew each other and the rhythm, and we knew how to communicate just by eye contact. And, you know, you have the consistency in the snap count. So what, is, what does Matt have, um, you know, 
32 different uh, variations of offensive yeah. line starting group. Yeah. You don't you don't um, gain the chemistry that you need to have. So it's about discipline. You know, listen to the snap count when you break the huddle. Understand it. But you know, there's so many variations of silent count now. That's why I'm a big believer in center uh, because of Justin's athleticism. Quarterback under center, where you can hear the cadence, and then you you know create the offense from. You would also cut down on the bad snaps too. Like yeah, exactly. Snaps well, it, it, exactly. It, it seems like they don't like doing that though. It, yeah. it seems like they always they want Justin in shotgun, and if they're going to run, they'll run out of shotgun. But it, it seems like they're reluctant to put him under center. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Listen, uh, you know, I grew up in a system with yeah. Walter Payton, Matt Suey, and McMahon under center. And when you have that intersection between quarterback and running back and you have either a lead back or a single back with a running start, the one thing that I hate about the modern-day running game is, first of all, I'm not a big fan of zone blocking. Secondly, I'm not a fan of getting a shotgun snap. From the increment of time the shotgun snap takes to get to the quarterback, then you hand the ball to a, a running back who's standing still. Right. You know, and now then you go. Now, now go. Now you take that time of the snap and then the handoff and you give that time to the defensive line to either win against the offensive lineman they're facing or the offensive lineman has to sustain a block to try to get movement for an extra period of time. So, you know, I can only live through the examples that I know that are successful. Um, And just because they do them these days, it doesn't mean you have to do them. Yeah, and I I think that's where, you know, to me, the, the best style of offense, I always go back to the West Coast style. Like, I like tight ends involved. I like a fullback. I like having the two backs Mm -hmm. in the backfield under center because what I think that allows is deception. And and you don't have to only run the football when you have a fullback on the field, but it allows you the play-action fake or the dump to the flat or whatever you're going to do. And that's where, like, I think there's an element to always being in shotgun limits the deception – and really, I, I understand some of it where it's a numbers game, right? They, they see where the ends are. If there's a certain numbers game, they're going to hand it off. They're going to do a mesh point, whatever the run play could be. But like you just laid out, there's a lot of elements that take off time that allows the defense to not be deceived. Right. To then try and stop right. that run play. You know, the thing about it is deception. So if you have Kari Blasting game or Matt Sui, I don't care what area you're talking about, two really sure. good fullbacks. Mm-hmm. And Roshan Johnson is a really good blocking back. So you can have that deception where you get Kari Blasting game going for the defensive end, he olays him, he's out for the pass, and then the Roshan Johnson picks him up. Right. So, you know, those types of deceptive plays that can have significant yards attached to him that you can run more than once a game it's out there you know it's out there but you know beginning of this segment we started talking about the seven games is that enough to evaluate Justin I think it is but I think the coaches um, are you know we're going to evaluate those guys as well so we talked about that too before you got here the evaluation of the coaches and you know we started off the first hour kind of talking about what we saw from the weekend and how CJ Stroud just seems to have gotten it right away right right? and Trevor Lawrence when he came in got it pretty much right away Joe Burrow came in although he was a little bit older he was like 45 (laughs) (laughs) he got it right away but like it seems like it's taken time for Justin to get it, are you of the philosophy that if you bring in, if you're going to draft a new quarterback, that you have to bring in a new coaching staff? Or is there a situation where Fields can look good, they don't bring in, they bring Fields back, but 
they bring in a new coaching staff and say, hey, we're going to still work with Fields. This is what you have to deal with. You know, I, I think every time you go out and hire a coach, I think they can take – they believe they can take a reclamation project and turn it into the player that it needs to be. However – I would still bring in a quarterback from a four-year program. I, you know, these guys that come in, Anthony Richardson, or these quarterbacks that come in and they play two years in the system, and maybe they miss out on those 5,000 reps that you will get in your, two, your junior and senior year. Yeah. You know, through, before me, through my generation, in time to come, if you look at these quarterbacks that go through four-year programs, mm-hmm. they're a little bit more along in their development because of the reps they're getting in spring ball, in training camp, in games, in these 100,000-seat stadiums that they're playing in and such. I think there's a lot to expect. You know, you know, we were down in Indianapolis this year, and I was standing with some people from the Indianapolis Colts, and they said, oh, as soon as we saw Anthony Richardson at the Combine, we knew that we were going to draft him. Listen, man. If you're go to the Olympics, then and you know, the, get the guy that runs the throws the shot, put the farthest, and make him yeah. an offensive lineman. Get a guy that runs a hundred. But I'm just saying, you know, you, we become so enamored. You got to play. Yeah. Nowadays, with the combines, that you 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 know. You're hurt after a certain amount of games. And you know who started the most uh, games? Well, in, so so in that's what we were history. talking about is so Bo Nix has now started the most games in college football history. So Bo Nix is out there from Oregon. He has 29 touchdowns, two interceptions. Oregon has one loss, but they're a top 10 team. They're trying to make the playoff. The other name that keeps popping up is Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback for Washington. Right. He has 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Washington's undefeated at this point. He originally was at Indiana, right. transferred. Both players have played a lot of college football. How, how many games has a North Carolina kid played? Uh, is, I think is, this is his second year. Second year? Okay. Yeah, I and believe. So that, you know, that, I mean, that's the perfect you know, opposite end of the spectrum. You yes. have a guy that's played two Drake years Man. in that division, and or, or else you have these guys that have played four years. and they've. Seen uh, this a, is his third season, Drake okay. Man. But he only played... Uh, he only played in four games in 2021, and he only attempted uh, 10 passes. So yeah. he, he didn't even play as a freshman. It's kind of a Trey Lance type yeah. of deal. Yeah. You so. Know? Become, uh, but, so this is his second full season as a starter. Yeah. You know, to me, my recommendation, you know, it's, you know, nowadays this whole draft thing and these guys, you know, being convinced by their agent and stuff that, hey, you got to leave college now because grab the money now. I, I like just going back to the original point that we were all talking about. Yeah. I would like to grab a guy, even if it's not one of these marquee guys, mm-hmm. go find, you know, one of these guys from a major college that has played four years in a program and maybe they can um, give you a little bit more reliable competition. I heard you guys talking about it on my way here. You need competition in yeah. order for your whole roster to get better and be better. As a Notre Dame guy, your thoughts on Caleb Williams? I, you know, I liked him a lot more before the start of the season than what I've seen <laughs> out of the last couple of games. I, listen, I think the guy's talented. I think he's had so much pressure on him. Their defense is awful. Um, I don't know if he's just trying to make too many plays on his own, um, but you know, there I would have to see a lot more of them. I, yeah. You know, and if I was out there doing the evaluation process, you know, I'd have to have an eye-to-eye talk, conversation. I'd have to see you work out. I'd have to see you, uh, you know, and if, if I was drafting an offensive lineman, I would like to work out with them. You know, do I need to show you what 50-pound dumbbells are, or are you taking me to the 50-pound dumbbells? <laughs> and that's all I, you know, right. that's all I would need to know about you. 
That's awesome. I, I think with Caleb Williams, um, he was outstanding last season. You nailed it with the way like the team is built, is flawed. They don't play any defense. So the moment they're down, he's he's trying to make up for everything else. Right. But he's also very sloppy with the football, which at the next level, that's only going to crush him. You know, being in the pocket, holding the football down near his hip, he will get stripped every single time right. he's sacked. Listen, you, and you, you, play, you play against a different group of athletes at the NFL than you mm-hmm. do in college football. And I was surprised, you know, because the Notre Dame game is probably the game I watched the closest. And yeah. I was surprised on – there's a lot of emotions attached to that game. But I was surprised in, you know, the interceptions he threw and how well Notre Dame played defensively that game. Well, when we did the show yeah. with Lance Briggs about a month ago, five weeks ago. Lance's birthday today. Yeah. Oh, oh, happy birthday, birthday Lance. Lance. He, said, uh, he said to us, if you don't like Justin Fields, why would you draft Justin Fields again? Yeah, that, that's what Lance said. It's, like, it's essentially he sees the same type of players. So why not just invest in Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But it, it's you know, judgment day for a quarterback is mentally as much as it is physically. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, it's like you know the Patrick Mahomes. You know, uh, you know how did everybody really know how dynamic of a player that he was going to be? And did he show evidence of that in the meetings that he had with the the guys that were scouting him and right. all that? We're uh, hanging out with Tom Thayer here at JMO's Live in Mokina. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago. And Tom said he'll talk to you on the phone lines as well. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. You hear Tom Thayer with Jeff Joniak on our call to games here on ESPN 1000. Every Bears game you hear on ESPN 1000. But you can't take phone calls with Tom Thayer. You can right now. That would so be you, something. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, I mean, well, Sylvie won't Sylvie's taking you, phone calls yeah. at halftime. Yeah, but Sylvie could you won't let you take phone calls A with bad Thayer. third down call. All right. Jeff I'm, goes, all right, I'm Tom, amazed. let's go to the phone line. I'm, I'm amazed at phone calls during halftime. It, it's I've cool, never heard of it? that before in my life. And, you know, I guess. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. So we'll take your calls at 312-332-3776. The great Tom Thayer is here. Ah. It's Black and Abdallah. It's Bears Night in Chicago on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. We're at JMO's Live in Mokina, drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago with Black and Abdallah, and Tom Thayer is here. Hanging out with us, 85 champion Chicago Bears, and you can hear him every single Bears game with Jeff Joniak. The call of the game right here on your home for Bears football, ESPN 1000. All right, phone calls for Tom Thayer, 312-332-3776. John in Westchester, you're on the line with Tom Thayer. Go ahead, John. Yeah, just commenting on the, the talk here. We consider getting an offensive lineman. Everybody's thinking of getting a quarterback place replace Justin Fields. But I think we need a, a lineman rather than a, a quarterback. I think that's more of a solution into the right direction. And even a defensive lineman, the, the security line, as they say, it's one in the trenches. And I don't think the quarterback's going to make a difference if you don't have a line to protect them. That's an educated man right there. All right, there you go. Good call, John. Yeah, John. I, I, you know, I think they do need to look for a center, and you have to have a guy, a center that has an impact on the offensive line. And you know, 
throughout the history of time with the Bears, when you look at what Jay Hilgenberg did, and Jay Hilgenberg was an undrafted free agent and then turned into a future Hall of Famer. Olin Krutz kind of changed the culture of the interior of the locker room that carried over to the weight room and to the practice field. So, you, and I think Olin was a third or fourth rounder. So it doesn't it, it doesn't have to be a top priority, but it has to be a priority. Yeah. And I think that you could bring in you know an offensive lineman, an offensive center that comes in here that can you know have a bright future of a you know hopefully a decade long career and you know defensive linemen as well mm-hmm. you know you know we we had this discussion over the summer because i think a lot of fans would call in and suggest that fix the line fields will be great isn't that kind of something yeah. that we heard? But yeah. I, I don't think the line has played poorly to no, this point No, I got a lot of season. heat on Twitter for saying that the line was playing better. And I was apparently on Twitter I was sorely mistaken. But <laughs> I will ask you, <laughs> the former player, to tell me. That, the expert. Like, like, just, I mean, you can just watch the games. and They're playing better than they played last year. Like, they're, hey, a better, look, they're a better offensive line than they were last year. Right. No one's had a more difficult job than Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, of trying to get the same five guys to show up week in and week yeah. out. You know, and Ryan Poles went and spent $30 million on Nate Davis, and he's missed a significant amount of time. He brought in Braxton Jones, who's been an every-single-play starter from Utah State. And then Darnell Mooney is a, a Jimbo Covert type of offensive line changer. He's got that ability, athleticism, size, strength. He can have impact. He can be a go-behind type of guy. Tevin Jenkins is playing the best football that he plays since he's been here. But, you know, Tevin's had high expectations since he's been drafted. Came in, had the back injury immediately, was moved around a bunch of different spots. Well, he had the offseason issues, too, where he was like, he may or may not have wanted a trade last year. I think, like, Ryan Poles kind of figured that situation out. And people forget that like there was a moment when he wanted to be off the team. Well, well, you know, I think there was a lot of uncertainty about him with the Bears as well. You know, mm-hmm. I think when you try to get the right group of guys that are going to, again, lead you to division championship playoffs in the Super Bowl, you need to get that guy that is a full-time committed player to the organization. And I was talking to someone at the preseason, and I said if, if uh, Tevin Jenkins can have a dramaless year, um, I think that he can be a great football player. And, li- and I still think that if it was an emergency situation and he had to go out and play right tackle, I think he could. But um, he's really settled in at the offensive guard position. He's one of the better guards in the division. And like now they're going to have to make some choices about – you know where he's going to play where do they feel he's best fits and probably a lot of that has to do with Nate Davis and where he wants to play the most but I listen I I do think Chris Morgan has done a nice job but it's about keeping the same five guys together for a bunch of years yeah I like uh, Tevin and Wright's uh, mean streak I I like that they they want to block in the run game and and Take someone to the ground. I, well, I like that. It, you know, it's fun to watch. Tevin said that when he was um, being introduced, when he got drafted, he's the type of guy that plays to the whistle. He plays guy to when guys are on the ground. And he wasn't showing that because I don't think going from a college program to the NFL, he was comfortable and he could put that physicalness on display at the offensive tackle position. Yeah. So now that he's playing at guard, he is doing it. Yeah. He is having significant amount of pancake blocks. And so... It's good to see. Listen, man. Great to see. It is important, but 
the original point, you know, get your offensive line better and your quarterback's going to be better. I think that is a valid point because if the quarterback is in shotgun or it's second and long or third and long and he's looking to avoid tacklers as mm-hmm. soon as he gets to his drop zone, you know, I don't think any quarterback can develop well, under those circumstances. It also looked like last year, too, that a lot of the pressure was coming up the middle against Justin yep. Fields, and they've really figured out the two guard spots like we just talked about, and that is a ton because, like, yes, obviously the tackles have to play well. They have to protect your blind side and everything, but when you're looking, you know, when you get the ball and all of a sudden you look up and the guys yeah. are right in your right face. Right in your grill. Like, that's a problem, and it seemed like that was happening. It's happening a lot less this year, and it's happening a lot more last year you know i'll say something and i feel bad because i i really admire cody i i, I he's one of the uh, best offensive linemen that can change position in an instant i'm not a big fan of the knuckleball snap in shotgun and they play out of shotgun so much mm-hmm. so now because of the um the interrupted flight of the football you have to watch the flight of the football so you catch it and then you catch the seams and then you see so mm-hmm. you just the, the incremental time frames that we talk about in in the, in the course of a play, an eighth of a second is a long time. So if you're looking for a half second at the flight of the football, this defense can do five different things to you. Yeah. And as you were saying, you know, you get the snap of the ball, you get your hands to the laces, you look up, and there's already pressure in you. Mm-hmm. They were fortunate last year that Justin had such a impressive running year that they did, well, was second in the league in rushing, um, you know, because of because sure. of Justin as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. 312-332-3776. You have a question for Tom Thayer, you can call right now. Like Frank and Schaumburg, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Frank? Big Frank. Hey. Yes, hi, Tom. I'm just interested in a name that we haven't talked about, Carson Beck. He is a quarterback for Georgia, and he appears to be having a 70-something percent uh, completion ratio these uh, this year. I know he was the backup for Stetson Bennett last year, but I've been watching this kid play week to week, and I'm impressed. I was just wondering what you thought. You know, I'm I'm impressed as well, and I think he's a good uh, you know stepping in after Stetson. He's come in the really Georgia hasn't skipped a beat, no. but. The one thing that I'm always concerned about with these quarterbacks like Bryce Young that play on a college team with five-star athletes that surround them, offense and defense, you're never going to play with that cast of characters again in the NFL. You're Because of what your salary situation is going to be, who you're playing with, you, you know, you're still going to have to be the best player on the team with a lack of a supporting cast. I like Beck. I think he's a really good player. He's super mature. He plays in um, you know, an environment that you're playing in front of 100,000 fans week in and week out. Um, but you know, can you come in and make a bad team better? That would always be my concern. Man, that game, they, they put it on Ole Miss. I, I oh, thought Ole Miss yeah, had a I chance to, to stay I... in that game. And the <laughs> fact that they won 52-17, Georgia is so good. I go back to what you said about experience. He's only started one year. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't. Well, he's a junior. Again, he was behind can't. sets of better. Yeah, so you, he might. I don't know if it would be better for him to just stay another year. It, it, he could be. A, he could move up higher onto a draft board next right. year, too, oh, if for he sure. stays. It, w- it would be better for him to stay another year because you're going to be well protected. You're going to play in the biggest program in the nation. What is your what NIL money are you making already? You know, there's so many different things that you have to concern yourself with of a kid that age. So if you come in 
and you get drafted into a program they, that they have so many weaknesses. Now you're just not playing with the cast of characters you did in Georgia. It would have probably been better for you to stay in college, make your NIL money, pro- possibly play for another national championship. Yeah. And I don't know if you'll become a marquee name, but you're going you're gonna to work your way up the draft board. Well, if you're a quarterback on a team that's you know winning 27 straight games right. like Georgia is, you know, you're always going to be in the Heisman conversation at least. And then I think those quarterbacks do find a way to be in that draft conversation by the time they're ready to come out. We'll take more of your phone calls for Tom Thayer at 312-332-3776. We're having a great time at JMO's Live in Mokina. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago right here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. It's a Monday night, which means it's Bears Night in Chicago, presented by Miller Lite. We're at JMO's Live in Mokina. Tom Thayer is here on set with Black and Abdallah. We're talking football. We're taking phone calls with Tom Thayer as well. At 312-332-3776. Tom, both Abdal and I are huge college football fans. I know you guys, uh, for road games, travel on Saturdays. How much college football do you get to consume? Do you get to your location, the hotel, and you flip college football? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a a football junkie. If it's on, I watch it. But, you know, too, as I spend a lot of time, so my brother coaches the freshman program at Joliet Catholic, and my nephew is on the varsity staff at Joliet Catholic. Oh, wonderful. So if if we have a home game and they have a a game, I will most likely go to the Joliet Catholic game. Sure. Um, And... And then, obviously, I'm a, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Sure. Just, but but I'm, a, I'm a football fan. Yeah, because you know, we, sure. we were kind of discussing what we saw from over the weekend. Michigan shows up at Penn State. I mean, they run the football well. They, they play good defense without Jim Harbaugh, and they win a game against Penn State. Once again, James Franklin fails in a big spot. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's mm-hmm. point that out. Every mm-hmm. single time Penn State has a big game, they struggle. Uh, Georgia, we, we touched on with the big win over Ole Miss. Anything else catch your eye from the, the Saturday football? I know Washington had a big win at home over Utah. That was a game that went down to the wire. There seems so, to be right now – there's like seven teams that are all 10-0. and 0. This is the year you need a 12-team playoff. Yeah, like there are seven right. teams you can make an argument could be in the college football so playoff. I, on, on my tablet, I was watching the Joliet Catholic-Morris game, but on the TV, just because I was in a talking to Jay Hilgenberg, we were watching the Iowa Rutgers game. Oh, yeah. I was because of, that. Yeah. you know, that's another statistic <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah. How, yeah. you know, because I, I was listening to ESPN radio and they had a betting yeah. uh, advisor on. Yeah. And they were talking of, well, you know, the one thing I've been doing is every every week I bet the under in Iowa. 28 and a half. They don't score points and they have a really good defense. And I was talking to Jay throughout a, a big portion of the game and I don't know, it was like 3 nothing. Yeah. or something. And uh, they ended up winning, I think, maybe 22 to it nothing. It was close yeah. to going over. Yeah. Very close yes. to going over. But, I, you know, that, that one caught my eye. And, you know, and I'm, a, I'm a Big Ten fan, so sure. I, I'll watch a lot of those games. And, the, you know, some of the matchups, what I know is just going to be a butt-kicking. 
Yeah. I, I I lack in, I don't like interest. And then I was Jay Mack, uh, J- yep. Jason McKee, our sideline guy. Mm-hmm. He's the head coach along with o- Olin Krutz and Rasheed Davis of the Carmel Mundelein program. Yep. And they were playing Nazarene, so I uh, Nazareth. So I was wa- I was kind of like paying attention to high school football. And then now this week. Joliet Catholic plays Providence at Memorial Stadium, our our home stadium. So I love high school football. It, it, it's unfortunate that like it's not a bigger deal in this state. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I, I think for those who love it, you seek it out. But like with all the professional teams, sometimes it kind of loses the focus with everything else going well, on at this time of year. But I love high school. You football. know, there's a lot of great, a lot of fun, a lot of great high school football players in the state of Illinois, and it kind of bums me out that uh, whomever the head coach at Illinois has been over the last twenty years. You know, when Mike White came in, he started. Uh, recruiting all the California junior college sure. kids and going out of state. Mm-hmm. If if a uh, Illinois coach would take more of an interest of recruiting Illinois kids and get a family support of University of Illinois, I think they would be better off. We've had a couple kids from my high school go there recently, but um, I I just wish that because there's a lot of quality football players in Illinois. They had a good game against uh, Indiana this week. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that was a good game. That was a really good game. I I stuck on the Iowa-Rutgers game for a while on Saturday (laughs) because it it was fun to see two struggling teams eke out the under. Like, that was a fun game. Well, the Rutgers like coach, that. Greg Schiano, used yeah. to coach for the Bears. Yeah. He's a super intense guy, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. He is freaking, you know, to the <laughs> yes. wall. And when he was co- the head coach of Tampa Bay, he was yep. equally as intense. And I think that kind of rubbed the players the wrong way back then. <laughs> but, I, but I still like his attitude, his mentality, his player requirement and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I played a bunch of years with Harbaugh. Um, and, you know, he's a different type of guy that I see interview now that was when he was a teammate of mine. So he wasn't talking about how his body was a brick wall for viruses. <laughs> did you see this today? No. He, he did a press conference I saw him today. say that this is America's team. He, saw yeah, that the, he, he said that this was America's team. That was the least crazy thing he said all yeah, day. Yeah, it was. He, they, his voice was a little raspy, uh-huh. and they're like, you sound sick. He goes, no. Just a little bit under the weather. My body is the brick wall to viruses. I'm just going to do some push-ups and eat an apple. <laughs> word for word. Yeah, you know, I guess when you make $9 it. million dollars a year and you're it. coaching a program like that, that you do whatever maybe, you want. that's an attraction to the kids you're trying to recruit. I guess so. Uh, 312-332-3776. Tom Thayer is here. He is taking your phone calls. Daniel on the south side. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Daniel? Hey, I'm down. Hey, Daniel. First time caller, I listen to you every time. I like your show from 6 to 8. I like oh, it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just want to ask uh, Tom Taylor, what do you, this is my opinion. I believe, I wish they can keep uh, the, uh, the coach, but maybe they can change the offensive coordinator. Maybe things are going to be much better because the defense is getting better now so that if they keep the coach, maybe then everything can be okay. That's my view. Okay, I got it. Thank you for the call, Daniel. Uh, is it possible the Bears could keep Eberflus but fire the offensive coordinator in Luke Getze? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, any of, any of those options are, you know, that can happen on a coaching staff nowadays. But, you know, to me, if you were going to keep Justin Fields, then I would interview Justin. Hey, how is your relationship with Luke Getze? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're becoming a better football player in the style uh, and coaching of Luke Getze? Because, you know, there's a lot of assumptions about Luke and Nathaniel Hackett from the Jets because they are both interviewed as head coaches in the NFL. And when you come from the coaching tree of Aaron Rodgers, you know, there there's a lot of information. But I listen, I, I like Luke. I think he's a creative guy. I when I look at the first fifteen scripted plays, whether it's um, the opening game plan for the Raiders a couple weeks ago in Beijing or what they do, it is an imaginative game plan and they can they can strike and they can score. But it's about how does the quarterback take the plays after that first scripted plays and be able to digest them, understand them, and know what they're going to do against the defenses. So, uh, you know, look, Luke's been around football his whole life. He's a former quarterback. He knows the sport. And um, But, yeah, you know, listen, no one is guaranteed a job the next day. And I started every game for the Bears that I played there, and every day I came in I thought this was the day I was going to be cut. So, uh, you know, the players are – but now they have guaranteed contracts. But that's why you're great, because you were willing to work and you were willing to prove yourself every single day. I think he still shows up to the uh, broadcast every day. Yes, yes. That's how you should operate. Operate where you need to uh, be great every single time. You know, that that Thursday night game this week, (laughs) I I think kickoff is like at 7.20. And I got to the stadium like at noon. And I'm in in the booth, and i just really antsy, and I like to do work because – if I sit downtown and I look at traffic building, it, I, the anxiety mm-hmm. yes. in, is just not healthy. Yeah. So get to the stadium and I'm with you, know. you and he he knows this about me. I always want to get somewhere early. Yeah. And I'll I'll worry about being bored while I'm there early right. instead of seeing like that's why we left today, today we got at like three early, o'clock. Yeah. We got here. It was like four o five. Right. The show didn't start till six. We listened to Waddle and Sylvie. Yeah. We, we hung out. Um, yeah, but, Waddle and Sylvie were in the booth uh, on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, they so were. That was quite the day. <laughs> Sherman and Chatham, you're on ESPN 1000 with Tom Thayer. What's up, Sherman? Hey, Sherman. Hey, hey guys. Love your show. Hey, so, Tom, question. Is, what is, like, the number, the top or, or the top two skills a kid coming out of college, a lineman coming out of college, needs to be successful to NFL because it seems more than any other position in the league that you can get a kid undrafted like a Hilgenberg and they turn into a future Hall of Famer. You know, I, I think, you, first of all, on the outside of football, you got to be committed to the weight room. It's got to be almost an obsession to the point where, you know, um, we are fortunate at the Chicago Bears to have a strength coach, Clyde Emmerich, who is the first hired strength coach in the history of the NFL, should be in the Hall of Fame himself. But he made the weight room the development of team camaraderie, but it also became a, a, a part of the competitiveness and the encouragement of strength. And I think if you can send a football team out in the field knowing you're never going to be play against anybody stronger than you, you're already midi- winning one of the most important battles. And then secondly, weight room commitment keeps you healthy. 
when you look at our group of guys, we are weight room committed. We yeah. didn't miss games because of soft tissue injuries or this baloney injury or that baloney. <laughs> you know, and so and that that's the thing about it is you know I think and that's what you know when I would encourage a high school kid, a college kid, you know that's you know kind of in a, you know making the commitment they really want to go whatever level you're playing. You know it doesn't have to be Division One, but the the weight room has to be as instrumental is the effort that you're putting into the mental part of the the uh, whatever program you're with, whatever playbook that you're into. I think Soft baloney ha- injuries. Well, I think the Bears have it. two guys that are kind of like that. I mean, we've all heard the stories about Bajent, about his weight room, yeah. and, you know, and how it was non-existent, and they were lifting logs like they're in Rocky oh, yeah. and stuff like that. But also, Jack, Jack Sanborn was undrafted, yeah. and he outworks everybody, and he's been great, you know, with Edmonds out the, the la- last week. He played really well, so... I think that the Bears have a couple of those guys that embody that mentality of just trying to like outwork people, to right? Try to get you know, to that spot. So I came from a program that we are super fortunate to have Clyde Emmerich. You know, whenever your bio starts, the first man in the world too, and that was Clyde, first man in the world under two hundred pound body weight to clean and press four hundred pounds overhead. <laughs> he was a night. He was in the Olympics. He's a world champ. So all the types of things that he encouraged you, he's got a great deal of experience, and and he took a guy like Hill that was a free agent and turned him into a strong competitive football player and that's what I like about Olin also because Olin was the type of guy that put these requirements on his teammates to show up in the weight room and uh, you know and I think that's the it's the same thing that if, if I was a modern day player right now I would tell these guys look you got to get stronger you got to get in the weight room and you know there's got to be someone that's a um, attitude changer in the weight room there's also something to actually moving your body and you you mentioned like soft baloney tissue stuff like yeah. like there there is something to actually going out and running and and being physical and avoiding injury and like like it, that's cross sport you know there's there's a lot of stuff in basketball about how rest doesn't actually benefit your health as a basketball player. I'm sure there is the same statistics for football. Like, you know, I don't think there's a surprise that the NFL is scaled back on training camp, and then the first month of the season you get a bunch of guys who are injured with soft tissue injuries. Yeah, that's a bunch of crap. Because you look at a guy like Walter Payton who never missed a game in his career. He never hired a personal trainer. He never hired a chef. He never hired this encourager out there to go and, you know, shake ropes and tell you, you know, how to work. He did it himself. Shoot an Instagram video of you working right. out type of thing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the thing about it is is we were super active. You know, after I lived in the weight room, I, w- I would go and play racquetball. I was, you know, active um, – and, and on the and the beach and real into surfing and stuff. So it wasn't like you know I was looking to take a rest. Okay, when I got done doing what I needed to do in the weight room, then what else can I do to have fun and be outside and you know be active? And McMahon had a racquetball court in his house, well, and awesome. we were playing racquetball at all times of the day and night. It'd be two in the morning, and we'd be playing <laughs> racquetball. So. You know, that's the type of, um, that's my encouragement. My encouragement is not go do a lazy weight room workout and then go lay around and play video games for three hours. I'm not into that. I just figured it out. We're starting this million-dollar Chicago idea, former (laughs) Bear Pickleball Club. It's oh, going to yeah. be all the former Bears, you guys out awesome. there playing pickleball. It's going to be, be awesome. great. Listen, be I, you great. know what? We oh, could call it. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's a million dollars for us. 
Because we're the ones that are going to be calling. It's, it's the league we're going to run. <laughs> yeah, we're you know what? In the all, league, all that kind of stuff. I think you know any sport that you're on your feet, you're moving laterally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're in a you're in an athletic bent over position. You know all uh, yeah shoot. Well, I think it also goes to like when we were in high school. All the football players in they played football in the fall. They wrestled in the winter right. and they ran track in the spring. Oh yeah, multiple sports. Yeah, that, that's th- a that big was thing. the yeah. that was right. the whole thing. You saw the back yeah. of the Letterman jacket. It said football wrestling track. Like you know, everybody. Jolia Catholic has this kid, Dylan Johnson. He's a defensive tackle on the football team. He's a great player. He's already signed to go to University of Wisconsin on a scholarship. He's also the number one ranked heavyweight wrestler in the country. There you go. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got the fastest pin in state championship history at, in Illinois. Um, he's got two older brothers. One plays at the Indianapolis Colts. One plays at the University of Missouri. So that's what it is. It's not just, you know playing one sport and that's all you do the reason that you become an athlete is doing multiple types of you know recreational sports or anything you want to do yeah we have about 10 minutes left with tom thayer here on espm 1000 we're at jmo's live in mokina we're drinking miller light it's bears night in chicago on espm 1000 you're listening to Black, 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 and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. We've had a great time at JMO's Live in Mokina. Brought to you by Miller Lite. It's been a fun time, and the pizza here is fantastic. So yes, if you get is. a chance to come by here. Try the pizza. Thank you to Sean and to Jake back in the studio, Justin, our marketing team, and everyone at ESPN 1000. And also a special thanks to Miller Life for making this happen again. Obviously, thank you to Tom Thayer for coming out. Uh, TJ Edwards uh, couldn't make it tonight, so Tom stepped up. He showed up. He was fantastic. Abdallah, we have like a minute and a half left in the show. You had questions you wanted to ask Tom Thayer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got conspiracy theory questions. <laughs> because I know you're into surfing and everything, but you can't surf all year round. So are there any conspiracy theories are you, are you super into? Um, like, no. Do you believe you know who's the Jay Hilgenberg like is the conspiracy oh, really? theory king. Oh, right. Like if like something that. happens oh. around the world, like I'll get a, I'll, he'll call me. This is what this is about. Something's going down. Right. Okay. Right. It's, do you believe aliens exist? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Until I see one, no. You've hung out with Sylvia. What about, Big, what about Bigfoot? And, and listen, you find a carcass and I'll believe you. <laughs> because I can't think that there would be that isolated where you wouldn't be able to find one somewhere. Did you see the video like a couple weeks ago? Someone was on a train and they thought they saw one walking and then crouching down. In the distance, <laughs> seriously, like in Colorado. Yeah, no, I didn't. I listen. You, you know, every single video that you see of Bigfoot is so grainy yeah. that you know. And our phones are, have such good cameras on them, but right. those are always so grainy. Are you a conspiracy theorist? Oh yeah, I he believe is. in all. Are of you? Them. He yeah. doesn't think we ever went to the moon. No, that's not true. The first time, oh. the first time was try to to try to win the space uh, race against the Russians. Right. We eventually got there. Right. But yeah, I also don't think Stevie Wonder's blind, like all the way blind. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, you know, Jay's the type of guy I remember. Remember when Payne Stewart passed away in the plane? Yeah. And so they they made this report. Hey, there's a plane that's flying that they can't they can't fly. And Jay calls me up, goes, "I bet you Payne Stewart's on that plane. This is the, this is where it started, and this is the direction they're flying because it was going to the next golf destination." And so he, you know, called it, but he he was right. So uh, uh, that's crazy. As we wrap up the show. 
you and Jeff do a great job on Thank Bears you. games. Thank we you. love having you a part of the team, and we love having the call of the game on our station. Us Thanks too. again for showing up tonight. Hey, man, it was my pleasure. I'm uh, glad I had the opportunity. I know I can't fill in for TJ Edwards, but he's a local guy. I'm a local guy. So, you know, Absolutely. 53 for 57. That's there you the go. Do it. There Black and Bell will return tomorrow night at 6 right here on ESPN 1000. Once again, give it up for Tom Thayer. It's Bears Night in Chicago with Black and Abdallah. Have a great night.